0: Hi guys and welcome to The Mental Breakthrough. I'm your host Maggie and this podcast is all about the understanding of mental healing through the lens of Christ. Hey guys and welcome back to another episode of The Mental Breakthrough. I hope you're all well, I hope you're all good. So in today's episode we're going to be talking about masculinity and I have four men of God here
1: Hi guys, my name's Jason. Um, I'm 19 years old and I study drama and psychology.
2: Hi guys, my name's Craig. I'm 18. I'm a fellow podcaster and I study law and business in college.
3: I'm going to be 18 very soon and I study uh, sciences and religious studies at college.
4: Hello, my name's Prince. I'm 17 and I'm a student at sixth form
0: okay um thank you guys for introducing yourselves so now that we've actually heard a bit of information from what they're from um we can actually have like um you know different perspectives especially all four of these people come from different areas of you know um london as well so it's quite nice to see in it like you know you know what kind of struggles you guys went through so i'm gonna like ask you guys questions per se because i don't because for me I don't really know so much about, let's say, about toxic masculinity. I don't know so much about toxic masculinity. Like, you know, everyone says it, like everyone talks about it, but we don't really talk about it to, like, unpack about what things actually has happened and why certain things do happen as well. Of course, you know, every person is different, but, you know, it's quite nice to hear about what it's like, especially from the lens of Christ. So first question I want to ask you guys, like, growing up as a black boy what pressure did you guys have in the household
3: certain pressures was because i'm like the oldest in my household there was a certain pressure of like having to show an example in like academics and my behavior and everything of like what i of like um how do i say it? of what to do like of how good to be in school or uh, i have to be getting the top grades i have to be the best behaved this and that i have to not be like a crybaby if you get what i mean like if I was crying about something, my parents would be like, why are you crying? You're a boy, don't cry, boys don't cry, boys don't cry. There's a certain pressure of having to uphold certain standards in regards to being the first firstborn because I also have like a younger brother. So I'd always be an example to him. So I think that was one pressure growing up.
2: Okay, I'll go next. Uh, if I'm honest here, I was blessed with my mom. Yeah, she was like, she knew how, to, not to say like parents, certain parents don't know how to like, um make their children behave, but I never had and you have those pressures and expectations put on me in terms of oh because you're a boy Craig you must act like this my mum was chilling that she she knows she knows what's good so she knows like if man's crying she'll be like raw he's showing a sign of emotion because I feel like if she never allowed me to show that I'd have I'd, I would have built up like anger and hatred and all of that then at one point I would have just burst and it wouldn't have been good so mom was mom was calm when it came to the pressures and expectations you know.
1: Yeah, um I'm, I'm similar to Craig. My mum was really um supportive. She never really pressured me to be any type of way. Um she didn't really pressure me to conform to kind of um guy ideologies of the world. I grew up around a lot of females, so I was kind of very um what society would say feminine. So I feel like I wasn't really pressured as much. Um growing up in a Jamaican household there, in my dad's side. I do remember having two kind of high in my emotions. I was kind of the oldest on my dad's side as well. So I had to kind of act like I was strong and act like I was never weak, if that makes sense. I think that's the only pressure I would say I kind of went through.
4: Um, to be fair, I'm the youngest out of um, three. So I would say the only pressure I had was the pressure of doing, you know, a well, lot education. Apart from that, I would say at home. There wasn't a certain manner that I had to uphold. I wouldn't say that. I had to, you know, fake, fake who I was. I was being me throughout my youth.
0: As well, even with all you guys actually saying all the all this, like the, the first thing that obviously comes and everyone kind of hears as well is um, the whole thing when you hear Throughout growing up is man up, or, or you can't cry or get a grip or something all these things would be um, all these things would be like said as well and one thing that I realized because I feel like this really came to my heart for me to actually make this episode because there was a time when um, so in my English lesson we're doing that like, hegemonic masculinity and stuff and we were just talking about like how it's going through you know all this and that and I was just like wow, this is actually really crazy and the way, like, there's an author of the book, I'm actually reading is that she basically said, um, we need to teach young boys into not conforming into these ideologies. And the way that she actually said it was actually quite nice, and it was quite effective, I'm not going to lie. And I was like, mm, that's actually, like, a lot of things she was saying it was very true. And one thing that I realised as well is that this is a cost to all people in a terms of it's okay to not be okay, like, it's literally okay to feel feelings it's okay to break down and actually want to cry like she says crying has to be for a gender get a grip because when you were all kids you all you all were crying like you were all crying so it's definitely something that you know it it's actually natural and it's okay to not be okay it's actually okay to be vulnerable and I feel like that's one thing that I actually hate how society has made a thing where if you're vulnerable you're weak but I mean if we look at Christ he was vulnerable and he you know had to he had he was uh, he was vulnerable to the point of death and you know he is you know the standard that we should always be living up to as well
2: yeah I hear that to be honest but at the same time like Christ was half God I'll be wrong I know people are going to be like don't go there but God was perfect and did it but if I'm honest yeah Christ went through persecutions and all of that. But I feel like we're, we're a bit different from God. I'll be real. Because man just had, he had, he had, uh, he had a mission to go to and accomplish this. Whereas us, I don't know. I feel like we have to go more than what Christ did to a certain extent. If you know, if you know what I'm, like, do you kind of know what I'm coming from in terms of? Um, I feel
1: like. Next. Um, i feel like if we Even. if you're we speaking from a christian perspective as a, like a born again believer we have to remember that you know we're not so different from god like we have been given his nature and if we look at the fruits of the Spirit, galatians 5 30, we see that you know one of the um one of the fruits of the space is love so in that god's love was given to us romans five as well his love was poured into our heart so it's literally god's love flowing through us so we're not as different from God that people may see if that makes sense. So I do think um, like Maggie said, Christ is our standard but also we have been given his nature so the way God loves is the way we love as innate Christians if that makes sense. Yeah, also like with what was originally said about
3: like the pressures growing up, I feel like the pressure didn't even come from the family, like mostly the pressures of like masculinity and whatnot it comes from society, it comes from like your classmates and like uh, even growing up even at our age right now it's like oh there's certain things you have to do like let's say in my school uh someone like slaps you around the head as a jerk because there's so many people around you, you can't just allow it you have to go and, uh, and try and slap them back like even small small things like that that shows that how masking is kind of like a thing that you kind of have to uphold but then i feel like with crying and stuff like that you have to remember that the one of the most impactful verses in the bible is jesus wept because it shows us that jesus has that emotion it shows us that as a man, he was even shown as a man, listen, you don't have to uphold to like warrior expectations or courageous expectations of not crying. But because crying is like probably the most courageous thing you can do if you're being honest, because it, it's really a display of your emotions. So I think like one thing that people have to remember is that even as a man, it's all right to cry, Like it's actually okay to cry, maybe not in front of other people, but like at least in the comfort of your own home, it's okay to cry and let release of those emotions because it's a really good, um, what's it called, uh, release. So yeah,
2: you yeah, it
0: on to my next question: Did society or social media push you to fit in as a black boy to white Wait, ideologies? I just
2: a- ask your question. What do you mean when you say white ideologies? Because yeah. I feel like there is pressure being put on black people by other black people to get the new, de- the new design, the garments to listen to a certain type of music. So, yeah, what do you mean by white ideologies?
0: When I say that, yeah, because I grew up in Essex, right, and school once City was in Essex, and I kind of saw it that like, from the black boys, so. Like, cause you're in the in the school, the majorities are white people. Yeah, like you just have to your pressure to like fit into how they were. That I saw that a lot of black boys they would kind of not strip away their identity, but somewhat do it to try and fit in oh, with Billy that. or whatever it is to try and play football or something. And for them, like even though I was an outsider perspective, I wasn't inside their conversations or anything, but I could see that it was kind of like. Does that make sense the like,
2: white the white people stereotypes in terms of act, like how they act and everything mm-hmm. so like don't really show your culture yeah like it, is that what you mean Okay well I yeah. was predominantly um white school I felt like I did kind of lose my identity but like I was like very yeah I'm Jamaican etc cetera, etc cetera. um but I never felt like I needed to try talk like them I was kind of like well spoken to a degree but I didn't try, at like, do, you, do you know what I mean? I didn't try, like, act white or, t- like, throw away my blackness in it. But, yeah, that's just me. I hope I made sense.
3: Yeah, you did still. And also, like, with that, I went to a predominantly white school as well because I'm on, like, the borderlands of Essex and London. So, But with that one, yeah, I feel like in year seven and year eight, because I experienced, like, small, small racial bullying, so I had to, I was like, oh, let me not even get violated for all these because you know how they would make stupid jokes about Africa and water aid and all of these things, and they'll be so jarring. But it's a thing where <laughs> it's a thing where it's like, oh, let me try and like fit in just so they stop seeing me as less, more different. So when you actually start doing that, I feel like you do lose your identity and you do kind of like fit with the white male stereotypes as well, and just trying to be more comfortable with white people. But then at the same time like, in year nine, I'll be so real, I nearly became, <laughs> I nearly became, you know, like, the nation of Islam, man, but I fell in love, I fell in love <laughs> with Malcolm X, isn't it? because he just was, like, because I went through that period of, like, nearly losing my identity, and then I just saw Malcolm X, I was, like, what, this guy's, he's trying serious things, but I feel like I had to go through that period of, like, becoming, going from one side of the spectrum where I'm nearly losing my identity to the other side of the spectrum where it's, like, black segregationist and all this kind of madness, to come to that, the middle point of actually understanding my identity like culturally and understanding that as a black man like oh, i don't have to fit in with white people just because they're like the more, the predominant people in the uk but at the same time also i feel like it's not even white ideologies per se but also like in afro-caribbean culture as well i think that's where like for a lot of black boys that's where the hardest um the hardest where that's where you have to fit in the most basically like the stereotypes there is where you have to fit in the most there's a lot of stereotypes that can get broken down but yeah
4: my experience um is kind of different to everyone else's so i would say during secondary school in fact not even throughout my whole secondary school experience i felt that i had to behave in a certain manner so i wouldn't say white ideologies affected me so much but um the way how black people were perceived perceived um quotation marks was what kind of affected me. So music had a big influence on how I behaved throughout the whole experience I had in secondary school from the year 70, 11. When I went through bad moments, I'll be honest, the type of music I listened to would dictate how um, I behaved or the people around me um, would dictate how I behaved, not so much white people, because my school was kind of mixed. So there'd be white people, black people, um, people of backgrounds from South America and whatnot. So I wouldn't necessarily say white ideologies had a massive influence on how I behave, but much more music, um, e.g., you know, hip-hop, rap, drill, etc. So that was the way how I thought I could express myself until I left secondary school and I believed in Christ and I was saved. I started to see my identity um in Christ, my in-Christ realities. And um slowly but surely, you know, by growing in knowledge, some of those habits that I kept before have left behind, and I don't conform to them anymore.
0: You see, like, the pressure of being the breadwinner so or whatever, yeah? Did that... What do you mean? Did that, that, that affect you? Anyway, that makes sense. So you see how, like, a lot of people, like, they need to go and grind. If you're not grinding, you're a bum. And then there's things where females are saying, oh my days, she needs to come and burking me. You. P.S. you're all burking me. But Oh, this whole pressure needs to come and working me and stuff or not oh, specifically know you, mean, Birken, but you know what i'm trying to say like that whole thing of yeah the whole stereotype do you think that actually had a proper impact towards you having to do that as well and was there people around you that were kind of possibly influencing you to do so like even if you didn't actually but if you wanted to do so um, because of those around uh, you
2: so if i'm going to share the whole gender stereotypes thing and I need to get money. No one is forcing me to go get money. I'll be real. I'll get get my Ps and I'll get my job in my own time. I'm not letting no no lady tell me I must do this, I must do that. And I'm not going to be getting egged on by mandem. You must do that. You must do that. You must be the breadwinner. What happens to equality? We're in 2021 now, man. Come on. For sure. I'm a feminist. I believe in equality. If I have to do that, my woman can be the breadwinner. It's it's not by forcing it, like. We have to be equal nowadays, I'll be so real. How do you expect to build up relationships and build up by yourself if just one person's doing all the work and like you know in group projects you have the guy that mashes out the work, then you have the man them that are on the side just joking about not, do, not doing anything. Like, come on man, like less those gender stereotypes and like the nineteen sixties, man. But I, I hope I made sense and I wasn't waffling, I'll be wrong. Um I
1: think I think for yeah, me um in terms not of federal so- law, Obviously, I lived with my mum and she was like a single mum. So I felt like I had this innate pressure to kind of like be the man of the house and kind of be the provider. Um, I started working from 16. And I know for me, from my experience, I kind of lost my identity in my work life and and became someone who would work seven days a week. Um, I had two jobs and I always felt like I needed to get more money. I don't know where that sense of like greed and loss came from, but I know it was kind of like my peers are like, seeing other people go on holidays, I would always, like, want to do the same. I kind of think I feel like that would always motivate my kind of need for money. that makes sense? And it was kind of that love of money, uh, love of money kind of stemmed stem from, like, just me wanting to be a bread breadwinner. breadwinner sorry. But, yeah, so that's my experience of it.
0: How did that affect you, up mentally? I feel
4: like with this question, it depends what angle you come from. I would I would say I was influenced but there wasn't a heavy, heavy pressure to deliver or go to work. I say that's because I'm the youngest of three siblings, so kind of been provided for in a way. And I know that if I did um wanna go out and start earning money, I would have to make sure that it's at least for me first before I'm thinking of somebody else if that makes sense because it would come off as if it's not true if you get where I'm coming from. Um and how it affected me because I haven't been too deeply involved Um, with, you know, I wouldn't even, not even too deeply involved, I wouldn't say I entertained the thought too much so it hasn't had an effect on me but people around me, I would say, um, as in friends and whatnot, yeah, it's had an effect on them and sometimes they give me feedback on um, things that they've done and they wish that, you know, they wouldn't have done. So, as far as mentally affecting me hasn't affected me too much not really concerned about it I feel like because my family's like middle class but like lower middle
3: class so i would wake up in the middle of the night like 2 a.m I remember waking up in the middle of like 2 a.m bare times and my mom's going off to work because like we both my pets needed like um, more my mom had like two jobs well my dad had a job as well just to provide for us and I I feel like with me it wasn't more about providing for my family but Provided for myself so my mum and dad didn't have to provide for me, if you get what I mean. So it's like, ah, oh, I'll go and look, look out for a job to try and get a job so they don't have to buy me different things so I can buy myself different things. And although, like I never entertained something like Ford, but the thought was always in my head because I saw some of my friends doing it. So like, ah, oh, if I do Ford, it will be so much easier for my mum and dad to just, like, focus on my other, other siblings instead of myself. So I feel like stuff like that, it can have a pressure. That's why I understand why people actually do fraud. And like, people do, like, these illegal activities because it's like, oh, I want to provide for myself so my family doesn't have to. But, yeah, I think that would just be my input there.
2: That's a solid point, bro, with the whole fraud thing. But for me, in terms of, like, how did it affect me mentally, I'm, a, I'm very similar to Prince in terms of, like, I'm the youngest of um, two siblings, in fact. So when I was young, like, I never experienced what um Eman experienced in terms of, like, his mum, or well, my mum rushing off to work at like, the middle of the night so in some sense like I do come from like a middle class family or we'll lower middle class I don't, don't know what you classify but we're, we're not we're not like Jeff, Jeff Bezos type money yeah. but like to a degree I was like privileged in terms of like there was no pressure of like I need to work by 11 or 12 13 or 14 but then again I did feel kind of lazy because now in college it's just like I see all my guys working I know a couple guys that bang the F and I'm just thinking bro like I actually need a job. So maybe now the pressure's creeping because I'm 18. I do need to start earning my own money. But then it's, yeah. Yeah, that's it still. Mm-mm-mm.
0: My next question here is what pressure did you get from females?
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, as the parents were <laughs> <the> like, <laughs> like that. Um, like what you, in terms of pressure what do you mean like sexual pressure no not pleasure <laughs> sexual pressure what, what do you mean <laughs> no what am i talking about what,
0: take it wherever you want to take whatever pressure, angle you um, want to
2: take it honestly i mean i'm the purest virgin so I, I don't know about any pressure from girls but when i'm in the room then with a the man then i know about the pressure i'll be real because it's just like we like my guys guys would just be like yeah, when we're in the group, we're like, yeah, she wants me to do this, and she wants me to buy her that, buy her this ring, do that in the bedroom. I'm just thinking, chilling on my dorm, I'm just thinking, bro, oh, thank God I, I ain't in no relationship, man. I, I ain't have to experience None of this pain, none of this, so if I'm on this, I have to sit this one out because I have nothing, nothing useful to say, I'll be real.
3: Yeah, the pressure was more like, I don't know how to explain it, but I feel like a lot of men might not like, agree with this, but I feel like this is very true, that a lot of men, they seek, val- they get validation from, like, getting a girl, from acquiring a girl or something or, like, getting girls. So it's something where uh, I was always trying to, like, chase girls when I was a bit younger. So, like, probably year 9, 10, 11, 12, years like that, I was always trying to chase a like, girl to get that validation from mandem because it's like where you get a girl and maybe do something with her you will ah uh, the man will be like ah oh, you're cold you're hard you're hard you're hard this and that this and that but then i feel like i don't know how to explain it but it's just a bit mad really because i feel like a lot of them also subconsciously they view girls as a um, what's it called as um, yeah like sexual objects yeah just objects of pleasure so i think that pressure as well so there's it's like a it's like a dichotomy like you have to try and um I feel like, especially as believers now, we have to change, we have to, um, what's it called? We have to we Renewal renew mind. our minds, that's the word. We have to renew our minds to the, a sense that we don't need to get validation from, like, girls or anything like that. We have to renew our mind to the fact that our validation is in Christ, and that he's already accepted us, like, he's already justified us, everything like that. So I feel like that's, that's like, the craziest thing. But, yeah, the, my, <laughs> the chasing girls thing is very, very mad. But, yeah.
2: Oh wait, can I just add on to that quickly, man? Sorry, um, I'll let you go after this, Prince. But um, in terms of seeking validation, I hear that one hundred percent because I was watching a video of Ney, I'm not sure how you say his name, but he was spitting some facts. It was just like a lot of men them do this. A lot of men them feel like, rah. If I get the bread, I'll be able to get girls. The, well you know, like the designer don't use will be having bus downs but don't know want the next. How to pay their next rent just to go um get girls. Like it, it, it's a bit crazy that the stuff that we do and seek from girls even though they, they don't really care for most girls don't really care about that to You're just you're really impressed with no one and your bread is just you're gonna go into overdraft with a bank it's a bit pee can't be real <laughs> but yeah
4: um hearing from everyone else has said hopefully i didn't speak for too long but before you know you even get pressured by girls or someone wants to get into a relationship and whatnot you have to understand the love of god first we want to start doing something with someone else or whatever you want to be doing because it's so dangerous to feel as if you're prepared because you just have money or you have certain properties or certain, what's the word? Yeah, certain, whatever you want to call it. Um, And so, for me, at a young age, you know, prior to me not knowing Christ, I can relate with Emmanuel because, you know, in secondary school, if you're not chasing a girl, if you're not speaking to a girl, you're not perceived as normal, you're moist, you're wet and whatnot. And so there's so many things that can even happen from those pressures. But some people may, you know, sorry, but I have to mention this. Some people may fall into masturbation or some people become victims of lust. And as Emmanuel said, you know, girls start to become objectified. And that happened to me as well, because certain people I knew in secondary school and certain friendship groups, I didn't see girls for who they truly were. I just saw them as an object or a tool. Um, and it does affect you for a long while because even if you're speaking to somebody in that time period who may be serious and whatnot, you just see them as a tool. You don't actually care for them. And it's just about your desires and what you want. And I would say from maybe your nine to your 10, that time period, I was seeking a lot of validation from girls. I was just chasing them. Um, and it's also good to you know, self-assess yourself and be honest because for like a lot of people, suffer these similar issues but you know they may not have the same support systems that I did at the time to help me realize what I was going through and I can't lie mentally emotionally physically it gets exhausting it gets so so exhausting and me as well before Christ I didn't have any coping mechanisms so I would bottle all emotions in then next thing you know I'm in class I flip the table across the classroom and it's a detention Start so my way of expressing things and I thought podcasts like this are helpful because it breeds a safe environment for people who suffer with certain things to come out and you know are saying, you know, you're not alone, you know, we're here for you, even if you don't want to speak to us, you know, because there for you and whatnot. So like it's important to you know just really air this out and be honest. But yeah, that was just my experience.
2: Thank you.
0: Um, do you guys have anything else to add on before we move on
2: Oh things i have noticed even on. things you've noticed
0: as well like
2: you know? oh sorry yeah things that i've noticed from mandem they'll, they'll um, pick on weaker kids basically in front of mandem and think that they're cool and be like Raw, man, man's man got stiff legs like in front of girls but when you're with that person by themselves they won't do it and I'm just thinking, bro, like, what are you doing? Who are you trying to seek validation from? And to be honest, I was bullied in, like, secondary school, and I did do stupid things, you know what I mean? I say stupid stuff to girls, thinking, rah, only, only God can judge me. That makes me me, and all of that stuff. And I did kind of live up to society's standards of what a certain type of boy was. But now I find Christ, my whole definition has changed. My whole perspective on women, on how I conduct myself, has changed, because I don't... I don't decide to conform to um the stereotypes that they'd like to paint a young black boy as or a Christian boy and all of this man. But yeah, that's just my two cents.
4: I think going off Craig little note to add, um you're not speaking to anybody, if you're on a talking stage, everyone according did this stuff. Um you'll live, you will breathe. It is okay. It's not bad. You're not alone. God is there with you. Um don't get into a constant cycle where you're speaking to someone then you jump and you speak to another person you speak to another person then you get lost and you forget identity it becomes a huge problem you need to take a break take a break that all means. it doesn't mean you have to spread information to all people you know there's one person you can trust you can tell that person and whatnot and if a person does come to you i'm um, seriously i don't want to take things further you explain the situation to them and you tell them listen abc is going on you know unfortunately I'm not trying to take a further and whatnot it's fine you will live. So don't feel like you're alone because we see Jesus, for example. Jesus was single and very much whole. And Apostle Paul as well, devoted to the gospel and it was very much whole, based off the revelation of Christ. So yeah, there we go. I feel
3: like with Mandem, yeah, because it's so hard to speak up to other Mandem about certain things. Hmm. So they'll go to a girl to seek that intimacy. Like they'll go to a girl to be able to speak up about like that um their own emotional and mental problems. So when that happens, yeah, especially I think in my um in my like experiences, I feel like it's it's the thing that really gets me like to the uh, what what's the thing called catch feelings? Yeah, catch feelings for someone. It's like if I'm able to become like intimate, if I'm able to like speak to you like um, what's it called? Speak to you about my own problems. So. When I feel like for Mandem, yeah, we have to kind of turn to our other mandem rather than turn to a girl about the intimacy thing, turn to our other mandem about like the what's it called? About different Mm -hmm. mental problems. And also we have Christ as well, of course. So we Mm -hmm. can cast our cares onto Christ. That's first Peter five, seven, I think. So cast your cares, cast your anxieties onto Christ. And it even says in James five sixteen that you confess your sins to one another. So when you're struggling with what's called like masturbation or just constant roasting or something like that, instead of trying to like go to a girl for like pleasure or whatever, find that alternative satisfaction in Christ. Like that's why Hebrews 12, 2, I think says, look onto the old fan finisher of your faith, like if you actually deep because with pornography and masturbation, yeah, just a quick point, like, because I feel like this is such an important topic because pornography is so destructive. It's so mental, it's just so toxic. Yeah. Especially for mandem Like I don't obviously girls do but like for mandem especially, like what you have to do is you have to find an alternative like satisfaction from masturbation so that alternative satisfaction should be Christ if you go I mean. so you should face yeah. your front not face your front fix your eyes on, <laughs> what's it called? on Christ so I think that's an important point to
2: add so yeah yeah definitely man, you were spitting you were spitting my gosh man I got a hatch of scriptures right there man we love it <laughs> we love to see it but just to add on I, I know I keep moving like the main speaker or something the moderator but um what you said um what did you say you said oh my gosh you said something I forgot it um I forgot, all forgot one of these. You made a point that I, re- you made a point that I loved, but I was going to add on to it. But, yeah, cast all your cares onto Christ. Oh, yeah. As a man, oh, yeah, well, I finally remembered. Thank God. Um, But you know when you talk about um, not opening up to mandem, you know what I feel like this breeds, this feels like, ah, uh, it breeds a thing of like, ah, uh, can you talk to the mandem, because the mandem don't take it seriously. Because even when you, would, if, even if you was to talk about your masturbation addiction to the mandem, who are in the world or don't have common sense, they'll be like, ah, they'll laugh at you and they'll say, ah, ha, 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 or, oh, right, that, that's good, bro, you like it, bro. You 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 know what I mean? All oh, them girls, them like, yeah, you get me? What, what do you mean you have an addiction? Or well, they don't take it seriously, but all women, I don't know, I think I feel like it's, a, I don't, no one come at me, I feel like maybe it's the more maternal instinct or feeling like, yeah, you can talk to me, because even when previously I've spoken to girls, I feel like girls are more sincere, they're more understanding and, they, they don't take everything I did as a joke or they're not likely to go chat your business in terms of certain them when you're in the group chats and you're trying to have serious conversations and not taking it seriously. I don't know what their mind's on. I don't know where they're at, if they're on cloud nine or something, but they don't take it seriously. So, man them, even if you have a serious person that you can talk to, uh, a brother or a male friend or a cousin, please speak to them. Please let them know that you are there. That as a man to man, I'm coming to you as a man. Like you're there for them you know what I mean so men's mental health can be there's more awareness around it still but yeah yeah yeah
0: when you guys actually mentioned that how you go to intimacy with with females um that's one thing I realised as well when I was in the world a lot of um like my either people I would talk to whether it be friends or whatever like talking stages they would have the tendency to you know like just be bare like open up if that makes sense and obviously even what you guys are saying like even confiding in people we can only do so much but the main person you must always constantly confide in and go towards is christ because we are complete in christ it's just a comment of acknowledging of what we are complete of i mean we are complete of his love we are complete of being holy righteousness and stuff because it's all in christ and it's now bestowed onto us but you will still thinking back onto the experiences because you haven't acknowledged yet and you don't know what is inside of you and what is your now, your That's new freedom, nature definitely.
1: as well. Yeah, yeah, I just wanted to share my experience as well. I remember it was like probably like December time and I was in there. with like a few of my guys and I was just like kind of trying to open the floor to vulnerability and like being transparent. So I just like to them like how are you guys mentally and I just remember them all just looking at me like this and just laughing. And at that moment, I knew that I'm actually in a circle full of very toxic, toxic boys. And I've been it for a while. But it's like, I feel like a lot of points that were made is like part of the problem is that a lot of um, guys are kind of afraid to share that emotions, share that sense of um, vulnerability. And I think it's kind of like, it's the way people perceive you. I think that's what stops them from sharing their emotions. And it kind of links with um, fragile masculinity, which is like the anxiety of like perceiving like, or people perceiving, perceiving you of like gay or feminine, stuff, stuff like that. And I think it's really detrimental. And I think it does lead to people kind of seeking emotional intimacy from like loads of different females. And I think that that is definitely part of the problem. So yeah, I just wanted to share that, I guess. Nah, definitely,
4: Jason. You chopped it up. Um, going off to Sean's point for as if we certain friends who are males due to society's paradigm on um, affection, love and whatnot, you can't necessarily go to some of them um, and so even if you were to go to some of them some of them may not understand because they haven't been through it but even though you may not have been through it there's still a certain manner um, it's how you can respond to somebody going through something and um can't remember who said it exactly but I think it's Eman who said it. When you speak to certain girls, they would care and whatnot. And we were having conversations with Maggie and whatnot. Maggie would say all you know, this love language stuff, but I'm different with it. <laughs> she would say, um, according to what someone has missed out is possibly a reason why they're behaving, why they're behaving. So a lot of guys, when they're younger, they may not receive that affection, love at home because their parents didn't know how to display it or whatnot due to trauma and it's the cycle of trauma being unaddressed and so one person doesn't feel open then they go to see it somewhere else so it may it could be in a boy I don't know it could be in a girl whoever it is um yeah but m- most case scenarios that I've you know witnessed or been through myself people do um turn to girls and you know speak to them because they genuinely care and they want to help and as Craig said as well when you speak to certain guys about it They'll start laughing. They'll start thinking it's a joke, and they'll say it's normal. So I do feel it's about um, knowing who's around you, who to speak to, because you know scripture. Um, where there's a multitude, that counsel their safety. And, you know, one scripture always bear in mind. You know, when things do get tough, is Philippians four verse six. You know, don't be anxious about anything, but um, by petition, petition and thanksgiving, make your request known unto God. That God knows. God knows everything God's provided. God knows exactly how you're feeling in the moment. Like Hebrews 4 16 approaches grace um, boldly in confidence. Like God is God has gone through all of this before. God's been vulnerable. As Iman said before, Jesus has worked before. So knowing you're not alone definitely helps. And as you guys said earlier, it's okay when you feel low, but don't identify with the feeling. You know, know that in Christ there's joy, there's peace, there's love.
3: Um, yeah it's my take I've had a few discussions with some of my mandem as well and it's just a bit crazy because some mandem they've never experienced any like affection from their parents like they've never even seen their parents hug from like they've never seen their parents hug none of their parents have. like their mum has but their dad will never hug them so I feel like especially when your father is not as affectionate or your father's not affectionate at all like that's such a difficult thing because it's like okay so how can i because obviously you look to your father as your uh, male role model so if your father's never hugged you your father's never shown emotion how can i then try and Say, oh, let me show emotion to you. Like that's why probably, like, with Jason, like your friends were looking at you because even my friends have looked at me when I've tried to talk about it before. Like, oh, you're you're like nuts or something because it's like it's such an alien thing, it's such a foreign concept to them. But I feel like it does. Need, like we also need to try and talk to the older generation as well about it because the older generation is literally carrying on from the previous. Just like a generational cycle, like of no emotion, no affection, stuff like that. Like I think one thing that really helped me understand that oh, it's okay to cry is when I saw my dad break down about something a few years back because that was such a crazy. Like that was the first time I seen my dad cry. I was like what i was like it just was such a mind experience i feel like with that we have to understand that like the parents are such a important influence so when they don't show any affection it's such a difficult thing for um children to then overcome especially as they grow up and then they'll be able they'll be very difficult for them to show affection to like their wives and whatnot so it's just a generational cycle that needs to kind of be broken so that's why it's so good that we're talking about it like in situations like this so yeah from like
0: people what people have said to you in terms of like things like man up um don't cry or i don't know what's the other and one it's
2: not get a group by the way
0: i, I can't even remember i literally get saw it up. earlier as well i can't even remember <laughs> get a group that's my thing but anyways like this whole thing of what people have said to you like what did it feel like what was it like transitioning transitioning into like when christ had come when, when you received christ what was it like like with these things that you'd grown up to, and now it's something a whole different thing. It's now, Wait, you know,
2: so what do you mean? So when you transition to Paris complete and, and then people are still telling just... you to man up and grow up, and why are you crying because you're a boy? Isn't that how does that feel?
0: Yeah, like yeah. things that you were told from young, and now knowing that it's not your reality anymore. Like, what right. was it like? Again,
2: we're we'll starting, but you know the whole man up thing and. Boys don't cry, I'm sorry, but that, that is, the, those type of comments get me so irate, because what do you mean man up and boys don't cry? What? So when you're born, you think your dad was just there with a straight face, like, no, no, you're shedding this tears. And tears. So when I'm emotional, nah, bro, but when I get emotional, of course I'm going to shed a tear. When you go to a funeral, are you going to tell your mum not to cry? Ah, oh, don't cry, she's dead, in it? Women don't cry. Like, foolishness is that, man. When people are emotional, let your tears flow. It, i'd rather see my bro let his tears flow than him go do a mad team. then go say um some rude stuff to people like we need to learn to let our emotions come out and as a christian i'm seeing those things i'm just thinking nah man like, i've received christ bro man is calm i am comfy what do you mean i will cry to my father i will cry to god bro what, what, what do you mean about don't cry it's very stupid and people need to grow out that mentality because even that I feel like leads on to toxic masculinity because what is then, are you trying to say that I'm not a man because I, I cry like, pattern up man, get out of here, please, please, leave. Sorry man, man gets emotional with them things. there.
1: Um, I feel like for me, when I, um when I kind of learned about my identity in Christ, I think the Holy Spirit was just giving me the discernment and just the wisdom to just realise that, you know, gender itself is like a social construct. So, what the world um, perceived as a man, that wasn't who I was. Does that make sense? So I feel like as I learned my identity even more, I started to kind of conform to that rather than um, Romans 12 to conforming to the standards of the world. And I think that really helped me um, kind of with my own lack of masculinity, I'll say, because like even what the world perceives as um, man or what a man is, isn't what God sees. Does that make sense? So I think it's like what I always used to say is like God help me see myself how You see me, and I think that's what, what has really helped me is rather than looking at outside factors or even my own factors sometimes, just looking at what who Christ sees me, who Christ sees me as, or who I am in Christ. If that makes sense. But yeah, that's that's for me. For
3: me as well. <clears throat> What's it called? Like, when you actually understand, like, because um, I was doing this in religious studies and that, when you understand that Christ himself, the Jews had a very specific, like, mindset or expectation of what the Messiah would be, like, they thought it would be a warrior, just because of how, like, they saw God in the Old Testament, but that's a different type of joke. But yeah, they thought it would be a warrior, they thought it would be, like, one, um, like, King David, basically, like, just chopping up Romans and everything like that. But Jesus came, and he came with such a gentle vibe, like, he came with a, he was a non-violent guy, he was a merciful guy, he said, listen, you guys, come on um, he said to the woman that was studying, he said listen who, which one of you didn't sin, first sin? and then he said go sin no more like he was talking to Samaritans he was breaking racial divides he was breaking like um, sexism and all of that stuff so when you actually understand that Christ is our standard like everyone said this but Christ is our standard you have to understand that the society's um, man up and all of this stuff is just like you. as soon as you begin to like renew your mind you'll just see it as jazz like because them saying man up what's this what is that standard of a man what's the expectation of a man the wow. expectation of a man has been distorted by sin fam. so they can't even truly say what their expectation of a man is because it's not a positive expectation so that's why we look to christ only so yeah i would say that's my finger with that one
4: wow love that email um and what everyone else has said um boy i think oh this one is this one is a heavy question i'll be real um First off, I want to start by saying it starts off with, you know, what does it mean to be a boy? So when the world's input is coming in and then you look to Christ and then you see who you are. And I can very much, you know, relate what Craig was saying with how people are saying, oh, boys shouldn't cry. Boys shouldn't do it. They should be strong. You should know how to control your emotions and whatnot. As Craig said, all of those um, things build up and they lead towards toxic masculinity. And I can say that. Um, I've been in a certain position, so I'll be happy, more than happy to share certain experiences. So, there'll be times when, um, obviously, a trauma experience happened in my life, I'm not going to share too much on that one. And, I'll be real, I thought that I had shed all my tears. I'm sure that I went a few years, you know, without actually crying or be tangled in a year. I'd only cry once or twice. And then, what that now did is it ruined my vulnerability with God because I had a what perception of God. And then, I'll go to I wouldn't cry. Like my chest would be feeling heavy. I'll be feeling the burden, but I'll be like, no, I couldn't cry. So as I mentioned earlier as well, music—that was my way of expressing this. When when I was hearing some music, like yeah, 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 (laughs) all of that. Come on, yeah, this is where to express it. No, man's not soft. Man's not tough. Can't be crying over this and this. It would show you're weak, and you know it doesn't show you're weak. It's okay to cry it's okay to show emotion. If anything, it does help. Um, and Being vulnerable in prayer, you know, it lifts that burden. As you guys said earlier, cast your anxieties. Um, him to he cares for you. First Peter 5-7. And so that was, you know, my side, you know, before I was saved. So I wouldn't cry and whatnot, but people are like, I can't lie. Loose the keys. My key is very, um, what was it? Emotionally responsive, I'd say the word. So even through speaking to people like her, Speaking to people like manual and whatnot, yeah. There'll be times I was like, you know what, I have to renew my mind because this, this just can't go. So there have been times recently where it has been like, I understand, that it's okay to cry. Pray Period. It's okay to be vulnerable um, towards God. And if anything, there's more of reason to. God knows exactly how you feel. Not 99.9 percent. God knows 100 percent how you feel. So it's just a matter of when. You know, you would go to him, and when you would express how you feel, and we just have to continue to renew our minds to the truth, and not you know society paradigm on love, or you know, you know, um, so-called patriarchy, and all this nonsense and Because as Emmanuel said, a man's um, what a man's supposed to be has already been distorted because of sin and how it entered the world. So yeah, I don't feel like it should be a problem. And a lot of people won't even know it as well, but when you hear some of these things like men don't cry and men should be tough, it kind of affects you subconsciously, mm-hmm. and you don't really realize it, but you'd see it in your conduct. So yeah, that's that's my take on it.
2: Oh, just, uh, wait, sorry, just, just add quickly, um, with the whole um men don't cry thing, I, and, and all of that, don't mission do much, man? Um, like me personally, um. Then again, I couldn't really go to a certain man. There was one guy I remember in second school. Solid guy, I could tell him about anything. But the rest of them and them, certain things I couldn't tell them, certain things I could. But um, especially when crying in front of them, if certain things, I just felt so weak. I'm just thinking, nah, like, why am I crying? Like, it's never that deep. But also remember people listening out there, just because someone may not be affected, like how you're being affected by it, doesn't mean, like, how you feel should be like um, is, is less relevant or it doesn't hold any sort of weight of importance. You know, what I mean, because like certain things affect us differently. So if you want to cry, cry. If you want to pray, pray. But well, don't allow you to get wound up by certain types of music than to go do stupid actions. Now, nah. um, what should you do? You should put your trust in God and not put your trust in man because Christ is the standard. Christ is perfected, not man. Like even like literally put your trust in God because God is not a man that He shouldn't that He should lie. But then you have people that you might tell me go check your business. God is not like that. God loves you and He sent your son to die for you. That's how much He loves you. So, my man, man just wanted to add that Christ is the standard, not to man. So yeah, reload it, reload it.
1: <laughs> um, I think for me as all my transition to Christ has kind of made me more compassionate to others. I think. Just with my social group, I was much more, um, I had a lot more female friends, but with the male friends that I had, like I said, my experiences were not too great with them, Of like expressing my mental health and some of the experiences that I went through. I think when I came to Christ, I was able to actually be more compassionate with how they were brought up and just why they are how they are, if that makes sense. And I think it's actually helped a lot of my relationships in general um, with males, because um, I used to struggle as well having friendship with guys just generally because of um, me having an idea that, you know, I'm not manly enough or I'm not masculine enough. So I think it's helped me realise that, you know, like I said, my identity is in Christ. So I don't really have to look outside and kind of compare myself to them, if that makes sense. And um, I, I think it just allowed me to express my love differently. It's also made me more emotionally stable, which is, um in turn, made me express my emotions, which is one of the things that I kind of struggled with. I kind of bottled up all of my emotions, and I remember when I came to Christ, like I was literally overwhelmed with all of my emotions. Like they, they all kind of broke. There was like they came to the surface, and it was like a flood of my emotions were just on the surface, and I just had to deal with that. So I think yeah, it just it's been a a looking story of emotions, I guess, but in a good way.
0: So how do you think we can like move I mean, away from, move from toxic oh,
2: masculinity like, um, are a bit more open and vulnerable and having chats like this you know what I mean or just taking in knowledge from podcasts like this and understanding that hey I might shed it tear that doesn't make me any less of a man because you if anybody tries to challenge you you say then what is a man what what is it like you know what I mean just like torch each other open up don't be afraid to talk about certain things you know what I mean. And if that even is the case, educate people. You know, I mean, tell them where they're wrong, and hopefully they'll be able to take the correction. But that's just one point of mine.
3: Open discussions, definitely. I think that's like the number one, probably, maybe even the only way it can move away from this. Because when you have open discussions with the man, them and, um, maybe on things like there's things like clubhouse stuff like that that you can use that we can use like as um, opportunities to like speak to people to get people to like start expressing their own emotions because i feel like a lot of mandem like they want to speak out but they can't that's why so many like mandem like even like you know so, like what wave his music is because he probably wasn't able to speak out in it to his friends and whatnot so he just made pain music and that's what everyone's always playing pain 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 music and that's what they can play because that's the only way they feel that they can express their emotions by singing along with the lyrics rather than speaking to their friends speaking to their family and whatnot so i think open discussions is probably the most important way and just prayer as well because you know the um, what's it called? The effective prayer of a righteous man. It's the
4: effect, of something like that. James five seventeen. So yeah, now definitely. Um, what Ian said. I so, feel like where where ignorance is, there's all. They even find it was always going to be a big, 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 big issue where ignorance is. So I do feel, stunt. You know, knowledge and the uh, epignosis coming to the precise and. Accurate knowledge of Christ is what will happen. I mean, what will help not happen. And so, you know, for reading, I feel reading does help a lot. And I'm not along with that stereotype that black people don't read because there are black people (laughs) who read. I want to, I want to, I've never heard (laughs) that in my life. Uh, I've
1: never heard that in my life.
4: I've heard, so that's why I wanted to back the stereotype and say it's not true. Um, yeah, wow.
0: Someone actually told me that. Sorry to interrupt. Someone actually told me that, and as a kid, I used to love reading. I can't That's read. That's what i saying exactly. I, so I, can, I back my People, all because people were saying black people Reading, do um, Find so out you know,
4: who you actually are, you know, not who you could be. Or no, 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 no. Find out who you are, and applying that knowledge definitely helps. Um. So yeah, For anyone who wants to hear this, I mean, listening to this. Chop up Dr. Abel, man. I'm um, sorry, I had to put it out it. Chop Dr. Abel's um because guys, serious Prince. man of God, man. He's he's helped me a lot. Honestly, helped me a lot. Um, things Ephesians one from 17 to verse 21. Yeah, it's a serious prayer. Another Pauline prayer. And then the end, of, um, the end of Ephesians three as well. You know, coming to a knowledge of God. You know, may your eyes be enlightened, may they be flooded with light come into an understanding of love that surpasses knowledge, that's what um, I believe will help you. When a doctor's telling you A B C you say no because in Christ, you know that um this is not possible. Sorry enough on a tangent. But yeah, that's just that's one of the ways that I feel like people can move away from, you know, being toxic and whatnot and as Eamon said, um open discussions and also understanding that everything is a process you know, just as you came to Christ, everything was a process, not just going to happen in the click of a thing, like, you need people to take things in, you need um time for people to understand things, so you know, respect their space and whatnot, but always be there for them, be open to receiving of what they may tell you, and in whatever way you can, help them.
2: That was a chop right there. That was a chop right there. Reloaded. Mm-hmm.
0: So, Okay, let me actually read you something that I saw in the devotion. Um, let me find it real quick. Because it actually perfectly explained it. Cool. It says, this is the difference between vulnerability and transparency. It says, why is it you can be around someone telling you personal things about themselves and yet you still feel outside their loop? Maybe it's because there's a chasm of difference between transparency and vulnerability transparency is choosing to disclose yourself to others but in ways you choose you're being open but you're in control with little intention of letting anyone in preachers have often been accused of this selective openness in vulnerability you not only tell the truth about you but also allow others in to help you're giving others permission to know the the pain of your weakness allowing them to care for you you're not only allowing yourself to come out of hide hiding Hiding, but you're also no longer pretending you can solve what you're, you've, you have revealed. Um, the important point is not that something gets fixed, but that nothing ever has to be hidden. Have you been transparent or okay. vulnerable with the issues I in your life? I can't lie, you to send me that link. Who Wherever would you that let is, in to ask was, for their you gonna help? You man's going
2: to chop that. I, was that was gonna chop. Use I can't I'm going to use it in a spoken word as a monologue. So of course you really. <laughs> No, nah, but on a serious thing. Sorry, on a serious, on a serious note, yeah. I kind of understand what you mean, because on my podcast episode where I gave my own story, that wasn't me being vulnerable, because I knew I'm not going to say a certain thing before my mum's like, Craig, why did you just let everybody know your business? That was me being transparent and me being open about things, but then being vulnerable to some people, it depends, because it depends who you're talking to as well, because there's certain people you can be transparent and be open about your past with, but there's certain people that you can be vulnerable and let your emotions be felt. So, like, I will be, I can be vulnerable with Emanuel, basically everybody in the school, surprisingly. I'll be so real. And I, I don't feel like I need to hide my emotions, because I know that they're, they're not going to make fun of me or anything, or chat bad by my back, and if they do, hopefully you guys don't, because that's not slant behaviour. It will be to, like, help me, you know what I mean? Like, and just to add on, I feel like you should only be vulnerable to people that you know that can help you don't just be vulnerable to anyone and anyone too. so you can say that well i opened up to them but they didn't even help me there's a difference between just being transparent and just being open that roman's got something to tell you and being vulnerable but i feel like i'm going on a tangent so yeah cut 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 i
3: think hearing that um difference between transparency and vulnerability I'm not even too sure that I've actually been vulnerable to anyone except from God, because I feel like whenever I express or open up, even to like someone like Mags or um, Ash or Jay Sean or anyone like that, it's like, when I'm open up to them, it's very difficult for me to speak about certain things, so some things I'll just be like, ah, obviously I'm not too, feeling too good about this that, and that, but then other things I'm just keeping quiet, because it's like the deepest things in the back of my mind that I'm thinking about, I just don't want to tell anyone, I feel like there's still certain words that I put up in my head just because I'm like, ah, I can't let myself actually because i feel like with vulnerability it makes you feel so naked in a sense like you know how adam and evil had with the fig live that's how i feel sometimes it's like yeah. oh wow i can't be just uh, like it feels weird having someone just know like are uh, the deepest things that you're thinking about so i think with that one i think yeah i have to definitely deconstruct like the walls and pull them down slowly but i think the step to that would probably be to start praying to god being vulnerable with god as well because i feel like when you're vulnerable with god it's easier to be vulnerable with other people but yeah hearing that description yeah that's sent <laughs>
2: Wait, man, quickly, just quickly, quickly. I know what you mean, because what you can have these thoughts here, but when you speak it, essentially, it becomes reality. It's now, it's now out there in the open. Now people know it, and it's not just something you're thinking, like, behind this wall, so that's why you probably feel like that. Yeah, I just want to tap that in quickly. Therapist Craig on the mic.
1: Um, I think for me, like, I'm the same as Emmanuel. I think I'm a very um, emotionally aware person. Um, I kind of can be very transparent and vulnerable, in prayer, and just by myself. I think as a naturally introverted person, um, I tend to just want to keep things to myself naturally. I'm also a very like independent person. I don't really like to let people in. I think just because of like my past and whatnot, I kind of struggle to let people in. So I think in terms of that, it has been a process of me kind of being vulnerable towards others. But I think with myself, I could be very, because like, I general a lot, I could be very... um. I think the word introspective. I'm able to, like, recognise and, um, yeah, I'm able to recognise and just control my own emotions very well, I think. Um, but just to be vulnerable to others, I think there's literally a select probably three people I could do that with. Um, but, yeah, so I think that's a process for me, just kind of letting go of anything that's stopping me from being vulnerable towards others. Yeah. Yeah. um
4: when it comes to transparency and um, vulnerability, I thought in hmm, especially in recent times, in recent times I would definitely say I've been a bit more vulnerable. And that's because I knew that, you know, not in the selfish way but I knew that I needed their help. Like and I don't wanna, you know, be toxic or anything. So I say in recent times I've been um, more vulnerable. But in the question as a whole as Jay was saying, I thought someone's past can affect them as well, to whatever extent, whether it's a so low or high extent. And me, there were times in secondary school where I was speaking to people and I'd be telling them, like, this is what is going on. And because I felt like I couldn't speak to people who are close to me, sometimes I end up telling random people, which sounds a bit immense, but that's what happened. And so and I told them, just be like, yeah, cool um and you're just like, Why did I even tell you in the first place? I told you what's going on mm-hmm. and it's almost as if you invalidated my feelings. So I feel that's um a big factor as to why many people tend to be transparent in terms of vulnerable. And as um Craig said as well, off Eman's point, it now is in the open. So yeah, that was my take on it because um that was what affected me from being vulnerable and to some extent, maybe now it kind of does because I, I used to lose a lot of friends before. And I remember, yeah, I'm going to be vulnerable with this, to be vulnerable with this. I said this to one person, you yeah, know, and this was recently. Like, this was like the end of last year, maybe October, November 10th. I told them, don't want to lose people. And what happened? The friendship, the friendship just collapsed. Um, and I'm not saying it for the sake of saying it all because, that was someone's conduct, whether they did it unintentionally or intentionally, a friendship collapse is that cool. and we're vulnerable now, and then you've done this whether it's unintentional or intentional. So that was probably um the reason why you know last year I chose to um be a bit more transparent.
2: I feel like um just to go off of Prince's point, but you Sean, do you have anything to say? No, yeah, I don't have to say. Okay. Um with the terms of people invalidating others wait can you guys hear me oh yeah you can in terms of invalidating other people's experience like i feel like people the best way that like, um i've been watching a couple therapy videos and it's just like the best way you can help someone yeah is just by listening to them you know what i mean don't just have your ears open but listen to them and and try to help them if, if you're if you're just gonna say ah oh, yeah rah that's mad like <laughs> You might as well just keep, keep keep it stepping, I'll be so real, you might as well just not even listen to that person and just say, bro, I'll be real, I, I don't know how to help you, because when you give them that raw, you're then making the person feel like, bro, I just pulled out all my emotions to you, and you're just like, I hear that man still, that is pig, you know, like that, like, please, like, be there for them. If, if you're really their friend you'd be there for them you know what I mean? you'd have something useful to say to them because imagine if you were in their shoes and you borrowed pouring yourself out let me be transparent but being vulnerable because they trust you and they want you to help them and you're just like raw pattern up man just pattern up please tell them how you can help them give them some sort of advice because when you do that they feel like right they have no one to speak to and then they that may lead them to go into a very dark dark spiral because you're the last person that they thought they could trust and you've just given them that that's mad still you know what i mean yeah 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 but yeah that's what i have to say just be there and listen please
0: and we've reached an end to this episode thank you so much for listening and tuning in do make sure to check all the other episodes and social media and make sure to check the next episode which is going to be a continuation of this i hope you guys are blessed and until next time